0: Hi, my name is Chelsea and welcome back to Builder Chat. Builder Chat is where we take a couple minutes to sit down with industry professionals and dig a little bit deeper into what their day-to-day tasks and activities are like out on the job site or in the office. Today we have Carl Lenice, our Chief Estimator at Odyssey Global.
1: Hi hey Chelsea, uh, my name is Carl Lenice. I'm the regional manager and chief estimator for Odyssey Global uh, here in Orlando. Odyssey Global is what I would call a small general contractor. Uh, We specialize more on the federal government and military uh, construction aspects. Uh, We also work uh, for NASA and locally for the Orlando airport and also in Tampa at the airport. I've been in construction probably 20 years. Um, I transitioned into estimating about five years ago, um, really just to get a feel for this side of the business. Um, You learn the construction site, you learn how things go together, the parts and pieces, the nuts and bolts.
0: Okay. Um, So, since you guys are doing more government and federal based work now, did you you used to do commercial? Uh,
1: So, we have been in and out of commercial um, over the last 10 years. Um, but really primarily have grown out of the federal small business uh, programs. Yep.
0: Okay. Is, that, is there a difference there for you when you're doing estimating? Is it a little bit more difficult to hit the guidelines when you're doing federal work?
1: I, I think by and large, federal and military construction is, has more rules uh, that you have to learn. And then once you learn the rules of the road and how they do business and what your systems and your processes need to be to be successful, on the federal side that translates very well into the commercial side as well. So I think it's actually a little harder to be a successful federal contractor. So
0: when you're, when you guys are looking for jobs to potentially bid on or work on, what is, what is, can you walk me through what tasks and activities you have to do to be able to win these potential? Sure.
1: Absolutely. Um, every project, every project requires a fleet. Of subcontractors to do the work, right? A typical construction project is, is 80% subcontractors and 20% the general contractor, just in rough numbers. Um, so, really, the goal number one or priority number one is to go solicit and recruit subcontractors that can do whatever the project is you're looking at. You know, then they go off and do their pricing, and you know, we kind of go off and do the next step. Um, We've got to evaluate what we think our, you know, our internal costs are. Uh, what kind of staff do we need on the project? Um, does it need one superintendent? Does it need three superintendents? You know, How many people does it take to manage this? I spend a lot of time during the bidding process on the quantification of the project, uh, the takeoff, if you will. How many cubic yards of concrete do we need? You know, how many square feet of flooring? How many linear feet of drywall? How much block? Uh, I, I don't think every contractor bids work the same way. Uh, my experience has always been that as an estimator, I won't really understand the project. I won't know what it's what it's about, what it includes, until I've sat down and quantified as much as I can. And I was just working on quantification this morning before we started. We're, we're bidding a project tomorrow in Tampa. It's a library. I, I don't have a lot of uh, site contracts, a lot of earthwork contractors that are bidding. I, I don't really have a good feel for if their bids are going to be accurate or not. So I sat down and quantified the site scope myself. We've got a lot of historical data from previous bids about how much asphalt and curb and gutter and utilities cost. So when you go quantify and then add your historical data to that, you know, all of a sudden you're your own bidder. I, I have a good feel for what the value of the work should be. For this earthwork piece, and if I don't get enough bids, which is a problem right now, I'll still be pretty confident that I've got the right value, you know, moving into the bid. So I think the quantification is extremely important, you know, as an estimator.
0: That sounds like a, that could be a little bit challenging trying to find subs that are able to perform what you're okay. requesting. So it sounds like you're crossing your T's, dotting your eyes by building this estimate, or um, you know, kind of doing the quantification process on your own. So what happens when you, you build that out and you look at that number for that scope of work or whatever that you're hoping that someone's going to, you're going to be able to use as a subcontractor and either A, you don't find anybody or B, everybody is just their, their cost is inflated. Do you go back to them? and
1: You've got a decision to make and it depends on your time crunch. Um, if you're two hours before the bid and you've got four or five cost opinions that are you know much higher than what you think it should be, you're probably gonna start working your number up toward those opinions. If you've got one or two, that's not necessarily a good you know spread of bids. You might just decide, I gotta stick with my own and, and figure it out.
0: And do you usually know how many other GCs are typically bidding as well?
1: The best way to find out is to ask the subcontractors. They usually know the, the field. Um, they've been out and talked to their vendors. And I'll get, using the example tomorrow, library in Tampa, there could be over 10 bidders. And I've collected all that information from the subs and from the various bidders. So yeah, we think we got a good feel for who's out there.
0: Okay. And I assume that that information helps you with making sure that you have a very fair proposal to submit. Okay. Wow. Well, that sounds exciting. Um, What after, after that happens, let's say we go ahead and we submit and this library, for example, you guys... Are now given an award of the project, and the opportunity. Are you at that point? Are you making sure that you found a sub for site work before you even submit? Or
1: so, yeah. That that's the that's the trick. If if I've used my own estimate in a bid and we get awarded the project, how are we going to go do it, right? right? I then have to turn around and try to negotiate with the bidders I had originally that I, that I wasn't that I didn't really like the numbers, or I have to go find some other ones and, and get some additional pricing. There's a couple different ways to try to skin the cat. The, the best solution is to be able to do it internally. Um, Odyssey Global self-performs concrete, small concrete, and masonry projects. Um, that, that gives you a strength. That gives you an advantage to take a risk on bid day. If you, if you think or you know that your guys, your crews can do it uh, you know, for, the, for the value you think it's worth, you know, that really gives you a little, bit of, a little bit of leverage to stick with your number. Um, if it's a scope that you're not familiar with or can't do, from, a uh, from a contractor standpoint, for example, mechanical or electrical things, you need a different license to go do, then you're probably better off using your bid day numbers to be safe.
0: Okay. <laughs> All right. So after you're awarded these projects, hopefully, right. Um, what happens next? What do you start doing there?
1: Uh, getting awarded a project is a double-edged sword and you got to understand that as an, in construction, our, our success rate, It's really very, very low. Industry average success rate, I would say, is 10%, maybe even lower. So for every 10 jobs we bid, we're only getting one. Um, So you get used to the disappointment. You get used to not being successful. And then when you get one, it's amazing. It's like, yes, everything came together. We had the right subcontractors. They gave us the right numbers. We got the job. Or you're sitting there like, wow, I used a lot of my own internal estimates, my own internal budgets here. Um, I've got to go find contractors to get the work, you know, get the work done for my budgets. Right. So sometimes it's a little bit of both.
0: So that's the biggest challenges.
1: I would say that's, that's one of the biggest challenges is actually going out there to do the work and a subcontractor isn't necessarily going to say, no, I don't want to bid your job just because they can't do the work. They're still going to give you a number. Uh, they might give you an inflated number because they can, they've, They've got sufficient backlog. And if they have to go do your job, they'll go do it. They just want to make sure they can get enough money out of it. So, but so what's happening is the subcontractors, they just start ignoring these bid invites. We've gotten so good at emails, the subs, they just ignore it. So you really have to be, uh, you have to go the, ex- it seems like technology would make this a lot easier, but the bid invites get ignored. You have to follow up with phone calls, which mostly, most times don't get returned because their voicemail box are overloaded. You have to email, uh, you have to get, see somebody in person, you have to tell them what you're doing. so I guess what I'm saying is as an estimator, all the technology has made the communication better, but it's also made it worse just because it's overload and we've got to go the extra mile to get attention to what we want to get done.
0: I could I could see how (laughs) getting 50 emails a day would, add. um, I imagine when you are so, or inviting these subs to bid that you're, you, it sounds like you guys have a lot of qualifications that you're requiring because you're working in federal government or you know something as simple as doing a library downstate. So, um, are you are you having to compare these subcontractors side by side? Are you working with a large pool or is it usually a smaller amount for you know each cost code or whatnot that you might invite them to bid on?
1: And again, it depends on the client. Uh, like I said, it, at NASA, NASA's got a you know got a group of subs that know the game out there. They're going to bid almost every project. We know them; they know us. We've got a good level of confidence. Uh, we go down to Riverview for the library tomorrow, where there's 10 GCs and you know, 500, 600, 800 subs bidding. Who knows what the total number is? Uh, there's, there's really no way for us to kind of sort through all the bids we get on bid day and make a determination of which sub is qualified and which one's not. We gotta we gotta do our best to look at their quote, make sure it's complete. Uh, make sure they have included taxes and bonds and insurance, all the things you usually see. Uh, we've got some other tools you know you can get on Google Maps and look at their office quickly if you want. You can research their credit history on on D- on Dunn and Brad Street. There's some other things we can do if we're really not sure. We've never heard of somebody before to you know just kind of validate that it's a solid business and they could do they could do the work.
0: Right. Well, I imagine that's probably pretty valuable to use as resources to get that information. Um, I know that some GCs work in a small area and they're using the same subs on every single project. And I'm sure that's really a lot easier than, you know, driving four hours to go work somewhere when you don't know a subcontractor in the area. So that's, that's a good piece of information. Um, Is there anything else that you do that really helps with qualifying exactly what subs you want to use or?
1: The best question to ask somebody you don't know is can you provide a payment and performance bond and what's your bond rate? If they say, yes, my bond rate is 1%, they probably can do that. They can probably provide you a payment performance bond, and that's 1% uh, of the cost. When they say, no, we can't, no, we've never done that, our bond rate is 4% or something that just doesn't exist, that's when we will start to look at our other bids and say, well, this one probably can't bond the job, so therefore, they're probably a little shakier financially. Is that a risk we want to take? Right. Right. Okay. Make a business decision at that point.
0: Um, are you using anything to collect, like a, I guess, a score, if you will, on these subs? Or are you guys recognizing them in any way to know that I do not want to use this, this sub again, or I do? Uh, not formally. Okay.
1: We we have our own kind of internal history of subcontractors that have been successful or have not been successful. Um, the, the ones that we've struggled with before. It does not mean we're not going to go solicit pricing from them. Uh, we might think twice about signing them up again. We'll probably still go solicit pricing.
0: Right. <laughs> um, well, what else can you can you tell me that would be something that's helped you become successful? And you know, only estimating for the last five years, something that you've learned challenges and whatnot. What helped you really just keep pushing forward?
1: Yeah, um, I think what's helped me. And I would suggest this to any anybody in the industry is, is to make sure you get some field experience as a superintendent uh, or as a field engineer, you know, whatever you want to call the position. Your boots need to be dirty day in and day out for several years, figuring out how this all works together.
0: Okay. Well, I think that's really respectable, actually getting your boots dirty. And now somebody can respect what you're saying mm-hmm. a little bit more. You've actually experienced it, so... All right. Well, thank you so much, Carl from Odyssey Global for coming here today. And um, please tune into our next podcast.